Welcome to Smart Women Watch, a podcast where two sisters talk about what we are watching, listening to, and reading. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Laura. And today we are talking about the new HBO series, His Dark Materials. Which we literally just watched. Literally. Like three minutes ago, we just ended the episode. So these are hot takes. Yeah. No other um, input at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) What did you think? I, I would say I... Hesitantly, I'm excited to watch the next couple episodes. It didn't completely draw me in yet, but I am certainly not ready to quit this show yet. That's for sure. Yeah. What did you think? I think I'm really excited. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, I think this seems to be filling a gap for me of none of the TV that I'm watching right now fills this, like, epic fantasy hole. That's because you're not watching Watchmen. That's true. I'm not watching Watchmen at the moment. So I have no epic fantasy in my life. So I think that this could fill the void. What is shocking to me is, so this is based off the Philip Pullman series of the same name, His Dark Materials. The first book probably is a book everybody would be familiar with, The Golden Compass. It was a movie about... Ooh, 10 years ago yes, was Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Yes. <laughs> but what just fascinates me here is after watching this, it's wild to me that this is a children's series because we had so many different themes in this episode from political intrigue to child snatching that just seem like adult themes a la like a larger scale adult novel series like Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire where it's... It's almost shocking when you see this screen adaptation to realize that this is actually a children's series. Well, I mean, I know the protagonist is a child, but, and sometimes this gets filed under the YA section because I feel like fantasy in general is not filed on the correct shelves necessarily in libraries. But would we call this a children's series? Because yes. I would not. It's reading level six. Oh, I'm not familiar with the reading levels. Does that mean sixth grade? Yeah. Like sixth graders read this? I think so. I mean, sixth graders read Harry Potter, and I don't call that a child series. I know. So maybe this does feel more like a a Harry Potter type of epic level fantasy. Yeah. I mean, is it Game of Thrones? No. But it's a grand scale fantasy, I think, written for... It certainly has very adult themes, the books. Yeah, and we had so many of them tonight. I mean, already we have this gigantic political group, the Magisterium. The Magisterium, yep. Who is doing something shady in the background where all of their constituents fear them. Yes, and they are led by priests and cardinals. Right. Mm -hmm. So a la the Sparrows. I was thinking more Holy Roman Empire, but sure, the Sparrows won too. (laughs) Fair enough. So that's a pretty big mystery we have going on right now of what exactly are they, what are they in charge of, why are they an organization that everybody fears. Right, we're clearly not in a secular state. This is clearly a state run by some sort of religious group. 100%. Mm -hmm. And then we also have baby snatchers. (laughs) Child snatchers. The gobblers are coming to get your kids. The gobblers stole two of our cutest characters today. And now what are we going to do? Roger is our cutest child. I think Roger's eyes and his freckles, I can't get enough. I want to pinch his cheeks. Billy's really cute too. Billy was cute too. But Roger, I can't take Roger. So we have gobblers are the people who are taking the children. We think. Or we the, think. Or they're a child's tale. Unclear. Right. Okay. So we have someone is snatching children, may or may not be these elusive gobblers. Yes. 
And, and specifically Egyptian children seem to be being targeted. They said 16 Egyptian children. Yes. Yeah, so who are the Egyptians? So the Egyptians are this world's nomadic gypsy-esque figures. Like boat gypsies. Yes, exactly. So I get the impression that they are not really wanted anywhere wherever they show up you know they probably get the the prejudiced sort of rub off um but they clearly have a very strong internal culture i loved the ceremony of tony costa getting his his ring yes i thought that was great i thought that really gives you a quick introduction to how tight-knit of a group this is and you can see why if billy costa is going missing the egyptians are going to come get him right whereas roger's people were just like ah roger didn't roll in for breakfast today and we're mad about I it. know. Does that sound like Roger? Roger seems like a very studious, show up for work kid. People should have been a little more concerned about that, in my opinion. Yeah. Also, Roger clearly got gobbled up in the night. So he's been missing now for 12 solid hours and his parents still don't care. Okay, well, he's an orphan. <laughs> he has no parents. No, he has parents. Roger? Yeah. Nope. Roger is 100% an orphan. Not in the book. Okay, in this show, he's 100%. He's supposed to be an orphan. Yes. He's just like taken in by the college. Yes, he definitely at one point. Where did you lie. interpret that from? He said it out loud. We have no money. We're orphans. We can't go to the North. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's a fact. Oh, okay. He's not an orphan in the book. I, I have. So I have not read the book in years. It has been a while. So I believe you. Okay, fair enough. So then we do have Lyra, who is also an orphan. An orphan, at least with an uncle, but a uncle who doesn't seem to pop down to see her very often. Yeah, what did you think of Uncle Asriel? I thought Uncle Asriel had a great introduction. I think he's a charismatic character. He shows up. Clearly, he has not seen Lyra in a long time, but if she tells him the wine was poisoned, he dumps it right off the table. I'm, I'm into Asriel. He's not going to win Uncle of the Year anytime soon. That is a fact. (laughs) He's not very kind. He like had to go tit for tat with these two 12-year-olds. Yes. um, If everybody's special, nobody's special, Roger. Buzz off. He's not impressed with the specialness of his own niece. That is a fact. And if you notice, the the postcard that he sent her on the wall starts with the line, Lyra, I've heard you've been making trouble. (laughs) I didn't notice that. So, no, he's not... um, He's not your cuddly, warm uncle type. Mm. Well, we got another mystery introduced to us, too, from the very beginning when Asriel rolls up during the Great Flood to Jordan College, and he is, like, nipple deep in water and holding a baby, who we interpret to be baby Lyra. Yeah, I think we can say for sure it is baby Lyra. And he knocks on the door and says, you know, I have scholarly immunity here, <laughs> something of the Scholastic like. sanctuary. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> and so his scholastic sanctuary allows him to hand off this child yes. to the maester there. Not yeah, maester. The, the master. master. <laughs> which is funny that the master doesn't get a name. I mean. He's just the master. Yeah, I know him as Clark Peters from The Wire, which is fine, but we could give him the guy a name. Doesn't sound that hard, does it? Nope, just the master. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's another one of our mysteries here is where did Lyra come from? Um, what and happened why? to her parents? Yes, because we also get Lyra mentioning something about how her parents died in an accident of yes. the an, an airstream an airship i think okay an airship um, accident and a smaller airship than the one that Azrael was currently standing on right so we do get that one line in the episode where we know lyra's parents have died in some sort of tragic accident and somehow uncle Azrael came across baby lyra and passed her off to jordan college where she was raised in this very scholarly environment but as an orphan who clearly grew up to be 
Willful. Willful, but I think a favorite. I think it's very clear that all of the scholars at Jordan College have a soft spot for Lyra. Yes. And I wonder if that has something to do with her possibly tragic background. Possibly, yeah. Because they don't seem to have quite as nice of a source out for Roger. I know. That's my only point there. Well, also, it does strike me that Lyra is more highborn. Because Lord Asriel clearly is her uncle and is an important man. Yep. So this is a girl who is born into some sort of important family um, in this universe of scholars and explorers. And you have a very um, classy woman like Mrs. Coulter taking an interest in a 12-year-old street urchin, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah, agree. Sort of street yeah, urchin. Sort of. So that I think that also gives us the sense that there's something more important about Lyra than we know. Here is my question, is why did they not put Ruth Wilson in red lipstick? Ruth Wilson is Mrs. Coulter, and I just wanted her to be wearing, like, fire engine red lipstick this whole time. I feel like that would have been the icing on Mrs. Coulter's cake, and I don't know why they didn't do it. Well, see, I feel like her demon is not golden enough. All I remember is the golden monkey, the golden monkey, the golden monkey. And this monkey was clearly brown, not golden. Yeah, he was like a little like burnt orange. Yeah, uh uh-huh. But he was like appropriately angry. We started to see this monkey is a monkey with a temper and a monkey who is on the lookout and doing her bidding for sure. And in this world, as the demon is... (sighs) It's a pet, but it's also a part of the human soul. It is not a pet at all. Okay, fine. It's But it's my point is that it is like a piece of their soul in an animal form. Right. So if the monkey has a temper, to me that reads that Mrs. Coulter has a temper. Yes, I think you're right too. The same way that Lyra's demon is Pan, who is also willful. Yes. And troublemaky. Yeah, and a little bit spunky and sassy. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. So we didn't talk about Lyra yet. That's true. I guess we haven't. How do you feel about Lyra? I am excited to see the world through Lyra's eyes. I think Lyra is fairly quick on the uptake and also has just that right amount of headstrong curiosity that makes for a fun young protagonist. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of the cool things is when you get a young woman protagonist as opposed to a grown woman protagonist. Grown woman protagonists, that writers are at this um, like expectation where you have to make them charming and warm and endearing. Mm. But young girls, like she can, Lyra's not going to smile. She didn't smile and she doesn't have to smile. And she just gets to go out there and be willful and smart and spunky without having to be super charming in order to be likable yeah and she can call out her uncle for making her spy on someone and then not telling her why he's making her spy so yeah she is out there making things happen yeah i like a protagonist of this age who's just like a smart spunky little girl and doesn't have to be like smiley and pretty and i really like the girl that they cast to play her yeah i think she is great so far um and she does have those qualities though that i think make for a great story like clearly she's already a great friend like she is taking roger with her yeah she's the only one who's invested exactly she gets this opportunity to go to london and feasibly go to the north which is clearly her dream she is into the north and the first thing she says is roger gets to come with me and i think that really grounds us in who lyra is yeah 
So all this talk of the North. Is mm-hmm. HBO filling the whole of Game of Thrones <laughs> with his dark materials? It does feel like that. Um, There's like North and like these <laughs> mystical beings that are coming and stealing your babies. Like there's so many Game of Thrones themes here yeah I mean from the as soon as the theme song came on I was like oh man this is just wants to be Game of Thrones this epic grand theme song um it's not there yet because I can't sing it in my head but I think that's where it's going right and like we have Lyra running around on the roof and was like waiting for her to get pushed off to her (laughs) to her um demise after she saw the queen having sex with her brother yeah (laughs) Yeah. I mean it just it it did have a a Game of Thronesy feel where we start off with a lot of this different intrigue so I mean this episode is a lot of exposition yes and a a lot of tell not show which I assume will get better over time where do you think was tell not show well uh, particularly when um, a character we haven't talked about yet John Fa shows up and basically just starts word dumping or what's that plot dumping to Ma Costa about how the gobblers have taken your child. They've taken 16 others. We're going to London to save them. Um, that felt to me very exposition dump. Yeah. It also felt like we didn't get an opportunity to see what sort of leader John Fa is. Is he a benevolent leader? Do we like him? Clearly he's the leader of the Egyptian people. But is he a leader that we're rooting for and are charmed by? Or is he a leader that we ultimately is not really on our side as right. the Right. And, and is he right? I think, you know, Ma Costa wants to stay and stay in Oxford and continue looking yeah, for her find son her there. baby. And John Fah is adamant that, no, they are going to London. And I think at this point, I don't know how we can reconcile who is the correct one here yet. Right. And <laughs> so one of the other things that I... I'm like having an interesting time reconciling is this setting where so we're in this world that is not our our world Mm -hmm. but is not dissimilar to our world so in some ways it feels like we are in I don't know 1890s London and then we also have these we also have helicopters and things that look like they're from the world's fair a la 1980 in a lot of ways. So we have this sort of futuristic reality that is still sort of set in this scholarly setting as well. So I don't know, there was part of me that was having trouble making sense of that. And I think part of that was because in reading the book, that wasn't how I was imagining this setting in my head. Yeah, clearly we will see how technology has a place in this world moving forward obviously the like for instance the camera that lord Azrael is using is like an old film camera um and like you said the airships are resembling more of like an early 20th century blimp than any sort of fast moving airship that we might have now um so i do think we will see how maybe a religious meritocracy could stand in the way of science and technology. Right. And it's also interesting that it's a mix of the science and technology, but also magic. 
it seems like where are we entering magic into this realm because we also have the demons we mm-hmm. also have this interesting truth-telling little golden box yes um that lyra has yes. and is that going to be technology or is that going to be magic and in the opening of the show they make reference to witches in the north who have prophecies specifically around lyra but that is something obviously that would have no place in our world so. right mm-hmm. so it does feel similar to the game of thrones pilot in the game of thrones pilot we got basically a medieval setting where it felt like we were just getting these backstories of all these people in this medieval world but we also got the introduction of the white walkers who are like these unearthly ice cold beings who like eat your babies and stuff so are gobblers the white walkers i don't know we haven't seen gobblers yet but we are getting this mix of sort of this world that feels grounded in that it's similar to our own reality so it's really relatable to us but we're also getting this weird mix of like Disney's Tomorrowland and also magic. Yeah, it makes for an interesting combination. It makes for really good settings on screen. I think the the props and the locations are really jumping off the screen. Yeah, I agree. I think it was so cool to see Oxford flooded. Yes, agree. <laughs> I don't know anything about what the Oxford flood means, but that was a cool looking opening sequence. I would assume at some point we will find out more about that. I think so too, when yeah. we find out more about Lyra's parents. Yes. And how she came to be with her uncle Azriel. Yes, when we're digging more into her backstory for sure. So where do you think this is going in next week's episode? Well, it looks like it's going to London with Mrs. Coulter. It looks like some fancy new outfits. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like Lyra is getting on this airship with Mrs. Coulter and her creepy monkey. And they are going to go set up camp in London. And hopefully Lyra will get some answers there about what's going on with her buddy Raj. And about some, you know, she seems to be connected to Mrs. Coulter because she is a woman who's also an adventurer. So maybe Lyra will get more into the adventure there. What I am also liking so far about this is it's not clear who our villains are and who our heroes are yet. I think besides Lyra, who is our clear protagonist Mm -hmm. here. And Roger. Don't forget Roger. I can never forget Roger. Um, But it's clear that Lyra's our protagonist. But Miss Coulter seems a little gray. Mm -hmm. Uncle Asriel. Especially that monkey. Seeming a little gray Mm -hmm. to me. Um, The master who... Who tried to poison Lord Astral in our first meeting with him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who also seems like he maybe is an ally to Lyra, but also tried to poison her uncle. So there's a lot of morally gray adults in in the pilot episode so far and I think that makes for a great television show absolutely I like when we don't know who our bad guy is yet yes besides the um ever uh in the background gobblers yes gobblers definitely just yes. gonna be villainous characters <laughs> anybody who kidnaps children is and that, for sure a villain. and that fox demon he's pretty uh dangerous as well yeah he's a gobbler affiliate yeah. <laughs> gobbler affiliate did this remind you of any other shows besides some of the game of thrones connections we talked about I mean, any fan, and I know this is not a show, obviously there are movies, but any time we're in this um, high fantasy realm, of course I think of Harry Potter, um, especially with the Jack Thorne connection, who is the co-writer of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and he is the adapter of Philip Pullman's book to the screen. So I can't help but compare Lyra to a young Harry are you mad that Jack Thorne is involved? I'm not mad. I <laughs> mad is not the right word. Um, 
you know, I don't hate a cursed child. And I, I think that's partially because I have seen it actually performed as you have a couple times. Um, and I think that really helps. But I can see how people just reading the screenplay have a hard time with that adaptation of J.K. Rowling's work. So I understand that, but I also think that might be people with limited imagination who cannot read these characters into, like, breathe life into these characters on their own are um, very anti-cursed child. I agree. I was just so happy to be back in the Harry Potter world. I would have read anything they gave me in any form they gave me. Yes, and I still will. Yes, exactly. So I am never going to complain about more Harry Potter. But, um... I think it is the Jack Thorne connection. And again, anything in this high fantasy realm where magic is involved as a millennial who grew up reading Harry Potter, I cannot help but compare to that. Yeah, especially because this episode in particular was in this sort of academic environment yeah. as and well. And in Britain. I mm-hmm. mean, that makes it real easy comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I liked it. I'm generally looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season brings. Yeah, I am too. I will say, I know this won't happen, but I wish maybe the special effects team would rethink if the mouths of the animals should move, of the demons should move. I have a hard time with the snow leopard, whose name escapes me, but Asriel's demon walking around like moving her lips as she's talking wouldn't this be better if we just didn't move the lips I don't know talking animals I think is never good it never translates well to the screen what I will say is I did just see the Disney adaptation to the live action Lion King and I found it really difficult to watch because I realized as soon as the movie started oh shit I don't like (laughs) watching (laughs) real animals talk it makes me very uncomfortable I know and these demons are going to be a big part of this right but what's better I think so far than the Lion King adaptation was that in in that they didn't have the animals emote Mm. so like Simba would be yelling at Scar but his face was totally neutral (laughs) and passive and here it does look like they're trying to make the animals right because the animals are just pure CGI here like they're clearly like adding some more emotion to the animals and especially the animals for the younger kids that can still move and interchange I think that helps because you know if uh, Lyra's getting very upset her demon can turn into something that like shows how upset she is right I think that's an important thing that we should probably mention too because they made it very clear in this episode today they clearly wanted us to know that demons are something that when kids are younger demons change so we saw pan evolve several times into different demons based on what lyra's mood was or when she squeezed up in the cupboard he turns into a moth so he's really small and inconspicuous but then we also see tony costa he is now 16 and has become a man and he now has a set in stone demon his demon is a hawk now forever yeah a hawk right yeah it was a hawk yeah Yeah, I do think um, puberty seems to be a defining line for the kids of this world. Um, You know, you get your your demon in whatever shape that it may take for the rest of your life. And there's also seems to this question that Asriel was pointing out about children do not have this dust around them, but adults do. So I think we are going to see a fairly definitive um, role of puberty playing when you are are leaving childhood and mm-hmm. going into adulthood with these very defining characteristics around you. 
looking forward to seeing what that means. Ooh. So we'll be back next week to talk a little bit more about other upcoming episodes of His Dark Materials. Yeah, I'm excited. Me too. Until then, Lynn. Thanks for listening to Smart Women Watch. I'm Lindsay. I'm Laura. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.